Hello and welcome back to the Unreported World podcast. I'm Krishnan Guru Murthy. This week, reporter Evan Williams meets the NHS doctor who is risking his life providing frontline medical care to the victims of the worsening conflict in Syria. Dr Rami Habib was previously based in Leicester, but he's now living in the northern Syrian town of Salma, which is bombed and shelled by Syrian government forces almost every day. Despite the danger, he's determined to stay and keep the hospital going. Dr Rami Habib is taking us to his hospital in the rebel town of Selma. The last 500 yards of the drive are the most dangerous. They're in clear view of the Syrian regime forces attacking the city. This is the most dangerous road. They can see you when your vehicle... This is the most dangerous road. They can see your vehicle so they can directly target you with the tank and the mortar. Dim the lights. Dozens of people have been killed here. Rami begins to pray. We are safe. Remy and his guards have brought a precious cargo for his hospital. Medicine. The hospital is in the basement of an apartment block. Be yourself at home. Thank you. And you are welcome here. two in the morning we just heard two shells landing very close to here they rattled the glass you could hear the dirt and everything else landing the next morning Rami shows me Selma The town is held by rebels fighting to overthrow the regime of President Bashar al-Assad. From the hills above, his soldiers shell the town every day. It's very clear. The, clear the, the tower, yeah. three tanks standing on the hill. In that cutting? Yeah, that one. So just through here, we can see at the top of the ridge, that's where they've got three tanks. From that area, they're using the tanks to fire shells into Selma and all the surrounding villages around us. This was a holiday destination. Rami bought his parents a flat here. He was visiting two years ago when war erupted and he stayed to make sure Selma had a doctor. This was the old location of the Selma Field Hospital. This was Rami's first hospital building. He was inside when a regime helicopter dropped a barrel bomb, a container packed with explosives and shrapnel. I was sleeping down there and I heard the building collapsing above me. 
I realized it's the end of the, of life, so I accepted that and well started yeah. praying yeah. and uh, yeah, ready to <laughs> to hand over my spirit. <laughs> Sarah is the first patient of the day. Has she been coughing? No, she hasn't been coughing. To bring Sarah here, her parents were forced to make a dangerous journey. There is shelling on that road all the time. It's a long and open road, so it's easy for them to shell. It's the only road. There is no other road. How do you feel about having to, to take that journey to help your daughter? We are scared. It's dangerous. We are forced into it because she's ill. When there's illness, we must come. Sarah's got a chest infection. In these conditions, without treatment, childhood diseases can be lethal. This is the second illness. She missed her vaccination. Vaccines is the major problem for our children here. Not a single child has received any vaccine since crisis started in Syria. Every day, shells are fired indiscriminately into Selma. Despite the risk, another family arrives. Manal Konafa has been fainting and is losing consciousness. She's been brought in by her husband, Tabit, who's come with two of their children. She came with chest pain and uh, blurred vision. And this could be diabetic ketoacidosis, I mean coma. Within minutes, Remy decides she's slipping into a diabetic coma. She doesn't know herself diabetic. And now we are infusing the insulin. In this case, yeah, one minute makes difference for her. Her condition has most likely been brought on by exhaustion and stress. She's going to need close monitoring but for now she's stable and is soon sent home. Outside, the guards have spotted a helicopter. Rami is afraid it will start dropping barrel bombs. Allahu Akbar. For us to go down. Okay. Into the basement. Yeah, I can hear it still. You can clearly hear the helicopter now. Jesus. That was close. This is a daily experience for us, yeah. and uh, we don't really know which barrel will hit the hospital again because we are utterly under the mercy of this mm. barrel bomb. Wow. 
A rebel fighter filmed one of the barrel bombs exploding just 100 yards from where we were. Another bomb landed on the hill behind the hospital. Just have it, it's... Wow, it's still very hot. Very hot. Shit. Still. And absolutely horrifying. Look at how sharp that is. This one is a tank shell. It's a tank shell, yeah. And it's... it is inside the barrel bomb. Yeah. Might be quite hard to get a sense of the scale of how powerful this barrel bomb is, but if I get down in here, you can see, first of all, the crater that's been created by this. Not only that, but the power of the explosion has blasted right through bedrock here. It's gone all the way through that and then created this huge <coughs> crater. And within it is what's left of the actual barrel. There's steel fragments they put in there to create shrapnel. And you can only imagine what would happen if this hit a house or an apartment or somewhere where families are seeking shelter. It would be absolutely devastating. Just after dark, three men are delivered by ambulance. They're local men who have become rebel fighters in the Free Syrian Army. They've been riding their motorbikes without lights to avoid being targeted. As you see, severe head injury because of road traffic accidents. They switch the lights off and drive. That's why those on two motorcycles collided. Shells are landing near the hospital, and Remy thinks he knows why. And this is because they have noticed some lights because of the ambulance ambulance moving. Remy stabilizes the patients but decides that two will need to go to a larger hospital near the border with Turkey. Is there a decision about whether, whether it's more dangerous sometimes to send them than it is to keep them here? Yeah, this is, this is exactly what I'm thinking. Mm. Why sending a patient who doesn't need mm. and uh, have him risk the, the, the journey itself? Mm. And now, after three of them are OK, we can go and have a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think you deserve one. <laughs> but straight away, there's another patient. Shrapnel wounded this patient from mortar or yes. rocket loaned just nearby. The ones we just heard yeah. a minute ago? Yeah. Ahmad had hoped to use the cover of darkness to buy food for his family. It was on the street. While I was walking down to get bread, that's when the shell landed. If there is any shrapnel, it will be removed. Maybe it's 50, 60 metres away from where we are now. The team is working under these tough conditions. It's absolutely terrible. terrible. But someone has to do it. It's three o'clock in the morning before Rami finally gets his cup of coffee. He's about to Skype his wife, who's a nurse in Leicester, 
when we hear another helicopter. Get the guards. The guards cut the power to make sure the hospital can't be seen. The next morning, Remy told me he manages to speak to her every couple of days. If I asked her to be with me, she is ready to do that. We need each other, but I don't want her to be with me here in these tough conditions and dangerous situation. Um, we both pray every day that this crisis will end very soon, so we'll be together again. Muhammad and his wife bring in nine-year-old Russia. Well, this patient came and bringing to the medical staff here some bread. bread. She has prepared herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, she has runny nose, fever with cough, cold and cough. This, as you see, this sort of shelling, and she just smiled because she's brave. She's a brave girl. What have you just heard? A tank shell. Tank round, she said. It's a tank round. This was once a town of 70,000 people. Now only 5,000 remain. Rebel fighters and a few civilians determined to stay despite the daily danger from regime guns. This site is partially protected by the other building. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it will be hit, it will hit yeah. this building first, yeah. unless it is mortar. Well, for the mortar, you can't do you can't, a lot. You can't do anything. <laughs> you can't do a lot. Mm. <laughs> There's no mains water, but Rami's team has engineered a solution. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, more than three kilometers long, used to get water from the spring to the hospital. This single one-inch pipe now carries all the hospital's water. Out here, Rami is doctor, manager and logistics chief. He's also deeply committed in his opposition to President Assad's regime. Since I was born, I haven't enjoyed a single day with democracy and expressing myself. In Syria? In Syria. Mm. Not only me, this is the case of everybody here in this country. And this is the time we should take action. Today, Rami needs to check on the woman he's diagnosed with diabetes. Cars can attract shelling, but Rami prefers to drive rather than walk to minimize his time on the open street. And this is a home call, and uh, we will charge her double. 
<laughs> I mean, we'll have a cup of coffee, maybe. <laughs> Hello, where's Mama? We came to check on you. Relax. Great, 13 over 8. This is good. I'm quite satisfied, she's okay. Just wondering how do you feel now compared to when you came to the hospital? The I'm much more comfortable now. I went there as a corpse and came back alive. Manal and her husband Tabit have fled from a village that's been destroyed. They're living in an abandoned house, but they'd rather be here than in a refugee camp. I had a lot of things, like motorbikes, and I sold them all. We do receive aid. We receive it every month. Basically, it lasts us four to five days. This house has been hit repeatedly. Once a barrel bomb landed, all the windows smashed. Show us where you run to when the shells land. Here. In here. Remy doesn't just treat civilians. Today he's heading to a rebel position that helps guard Selma. He's training the fighters how to save themselves if they're wounded in battle. The most important thing is what we call the tourniquet. We turn this to the right. No more blood will come down and this will stop the bleeding. Afterwards, the conversation turns to the type of Syria they're fighting for. Rami tells them about democracy in Britain. There needs to be an opposition to keep an eye on the government, or the government will go mad like Assad's government. Rami sees himself as part of the rebel movement, contributing by saving lives. For this, he's been warned, the government wants to kill him. I'm just carrying my weapon, just in case there is one who is pro-regime, hanging around and trying to kill people who are... Uh, supporting the uh, revolution. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to take up the weapon and join the fight? Never. And, and I'm just interested as a doctor, would you? Well, to defend myself, yes, I will do it. There'd been heavy shelling in a nearby village and back at the hospital there was bad news. Uh, one of my best friends was killed in this shelling. He used to come every night. He's no longer coming now. I'm sorry to hear your news. This is life for us. What was his name? His name was Muhammad Amir Qadura. Um, yeah, father of two children. Yeah, we feel sorry about the family, but Muhammad wasn't the first friend whom we lost, and definitely he will not be the last one. Rami has more patients to visit. This section of road puts him in clear view of a Syrian regime tank position. 
revistas. He's here to check on Rasha, the nine-year-old girl who had a chest infection. How are you feeling? Much better. Good, much better. She gets better, she said. Rasha shows me where she and her family seek shelter. We get scared of the planes and the bombing. Must be very scary. <laughs> do you get scared a lot when there are planes and bombing? Yes, I do get scared. As we head back to the hospital, Rami hears something. It's better for us to stop here. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, it's coming over this way. Yeah, get down, get down, get down. It's terrifying. This helicopter is now right overhead. If you've seen what they do with barrel bombs, they could well be targeting this area. I can see it. I can see it, yeah. And now you will you will hear the sound. Here it is. Going down, 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 down. This is the one, yeah. This is the only weapon that those people have, is only to pray to God and say Allahu Akbar. It means Allah is great. Uh, there is one barrel going down, down, down. Because they're indiscriminate, the use of barrel bombs is a war crime. It's been reported that since July 2012, airstrikes have killed at least 4,300 civilians. Whoa. Exploded in the air. No, it makes me feel really angry that those people are really civilians as you see them. Children, women, under the, the barrels. I, mean, I guess the government says that they're attacking FSA fighters, right? They're attacking people they trying to attack liars. them. liars. Yeah. Well, this is our naked eye, see those civilians under the mercy of this barrel and helicopter. Mm. In the two weeks we spent with Dr. Rami Habib, the regime fired 130 shells and dropped 20 barrel bombs on Salma. Badia's house has been destroyed. But she's staying. I can't live anywhere else but here. I just can't. When you came to Salma, you wouldn't want to leave. But who would want to visit Salma now? This is exactly what makes me stay in this place. This is exactly what makes me committed to working for those people who are brave, to, brave enough to stay in this land and in this village under the rocketing and shelling. Our thanks to Evan Williams, reporting from Syria. 
This Unreported World podcast is part of an extensive programme archive that you can watch from anywhere in the world by visiting the website at channel4.com forward slash unreported world. You'll also discover behind the scenes footage, exclusive articles and details on how to join the Unreported World conversation on Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Guru Murthy, goodbye.